Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Failure does not always mean that you're done or that you're not going to be successful. It's just the first step in uh, you approaching your way to be successful. And with the fault, is one of the nice, because no matter where you finish, at a meet or any competition, eventually your vault's going to end in failure because you're not going to clear a bar at a certain height. Even when you're the number one, the last person standing, you're going to end in failure because you're going to knock the bar off or not clear it. Well, we do learn from our failures. And I've always thought that if you don't fail occasionally, it means you probably haven't been trying hard enough or setting your goals high enough. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think that he's learned that if he puts the time in and puts the effort in, you might not always reach the goal that you want, but you will be successful in some form, in some way. And when today's guest is talking about the vault, he's talking about pole vaulting, a sport in which I wouldn't normally think blind people would be participating. But today's interview tells us otherwise. We'll speak with Bradley Rainwater, a competitive blind pole vaulter, and his coach and grandfather, Brad Rainwater, about how it can be done. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Brad and Bradley Rainwater. You just need to have a leap of faith when you you begin to do something. And you need to visualize you in a successful situation. You know, if if you visualize failure, you're going to end up with failure, even though you want to win. Can I add is that don't would hate for anybody or for me to quit and and not know how truly close they might be to to doing their goal or achieving their goal or what they want to do because I mean you really never know unless you keep going and like even when things are tough you really don't know how close you are to what you want to do. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Bradley and Brad. So we have two people with us today. Bradley, can you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Bradley Rainwater. I'm from Davidson, Michigan, and I vault. That's pole vaulting, right? Yes, yep. And why you're on the show is because you do that blind. Correct. How long have you been blind? Uh, Since birth. Can you describe for our listeners what kind of vision you have? I mean, what you can see and what you can't see? So I can see um, when the lights are on and off. um, And I can see different shadows or or forms, but I, I wouldn't know what they would be. I guess then for reading and other purposes, you use screen readers and or Braille? Yep. So Braille um, for paper and screen readers, obviously, for uh, phone and uh, computers and all that. And we also have Brad with us. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, Yes, I'm Brad Rainwater. Uh, I coach at Davidson High School on the track and field. Um, I've been coaching since uh, 1970 different places, different sports from football, basketball, and track. Uh, One of my specialties is high jumpers, long jumpers, and pole vaulters. Uh, We've been pretty successful in that area. 
And um, uh, I've had the opportunity to coach my grandson, who you're interviewing right now. What fun that has to be. It's definitely been a joy, uh, definitely a great experience for me anyway. I don't know so much for Brad. Uh, I started to say it's because I'm pretty strict and pretty tough on most of my kids that I'm with, but they also know I love them to death. And uh, so I, earlier I said something about being hands-on and vault is pretty much that where you basically have got to step-by-step step with whoever you're vaulting, but especially with Brad. Took me to a different level of coaching. In fact, it made me a better coach because I had to break everything down in a different way instead of using visual. And I understand you're going to be starting college next year, Bradley. Is that right? Yep. So I'm going to Spring Arbor University, which is kind of sort of by Jackson, into Lansing. Um, and I'll be a freshman there this year. And what will you be studying? Uh, I'll be double majoring in music and psychology. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is pole vaulting. And if you don't know what that is, that is a track and field event where you go with a running start and with the aid of a pole, jump over a bar that's well over your head. Well, Bradley, maybe we should start out by asking you how you got into pole vaulting and when you first got interested in that. Yeah, so kind of my seventh or eighth grade year, I kind of had thoughts about it. Because like you said, he was and has been coaching for a long time. Um, so I've been around it for a long time. And it was just something that was always exciting and something that I kind of wanted to, to try and, and see what would happen. Was there any trepidation on your part? No, no, not really. And how about Grandpa? How did you feel about that? Well... You know, for us, you know, when uh, Brad was born and we found out that he was going to be blind, like most families, and at first it's like a devastating effect that it has on you. And you start beginning to worry about, you know, how are they going to do this or how they're going to do this in life. And uh, that lasted for a short period of time with his dad, with myself, with his mom and all the family and all the grandparents and that. And then I looked at, it is a situation where I said, well, let's stop looking at what he can't do and let's find out what he can do. And so we all came to agreement. We would not put any limits on what Brad was willing to try or to attempt. When it came to the vault, no, I knew that he was capable. It was just us figuring out how to go about it because we came with the attitude. Uh, if he's willing to try it, he will. It's like when we put him in baseball, everybody asked us why he was in baseball and uh, he was successful there. And then when he went to wrestling, the same thing. Uh, I was a basketball coach. And so we taught him how to shoot baskets. And uh, if you put him on a free throw line today, he's going to hit anywhere from nine out of 10 or eight out of 10. Uh, and it's just a matter of us always having that mindset that uh, we weren't going to handicap him or we weren't going to limit him what he could do. That's such a helpful attitude, you know. If the family can encourage and support the young person who wants to try stuff by saying, okay, let's figure out how it's going to happen, 
rather than saying, oh, you can't do that. You can't see. That, that really goes a long way. Yeah, we thought so. So we both or everybody basically took the attitude, okay, uh, there's nothing he can't do if he wants to try it. And it's worked pretty successful for him because one of the things, that, like he said, music is part of his life. But uh, he came to me and said, I'm going to do marching band. And I said, what? <laughs> I'm trying to think in my head, how is he going to go on a football field and march at that point? But he had a terrific uh, band leader. So his high school year, he was in marching band as well. Same thing with people. We just figure out how he can do it. And he does most things by steps and memories. He's a pretty bright young man. So Bradley, what instrument did you play in marching band? I ended up playing the saxophone uh, for marching band and and for school and in, in their band. And what was your secret to staying in position? So I would have somebody behind me, so I would memorize the steps. And the person behind me, if I ever like made a mistake, they would adjust a little bit to that um, with me. They were very uh, helpful and very uh, gracious to do that for me. So you had supportive members and friends in the band to, to help out. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Now, when we first started talking to you, I knew you had some vision, but I wasn't sure how much. And I thought maybe you had more vision than you did. And at least you could see where the pole is. Now, those things are pretty high up from what I understand. And I would have thought that you need to see reasonably accurately where the pole is when you're trying to hoist your body over the pole. How do you work that out? Like I said, it's a big timing thing with getting the feet up and, and the turn and, and the fallback and, and everything. It's just one kind of sequential thing that everything has to go together. So I guess you know how many steps you take running up to the position where you're going to plant your pole and then kind of judge from there? Yep. No, that, that's how I know when to start moving the pole into position to plant it. And based on those and, and how high the, the thing is, I kind of know, based on experience, how what, what I need to do or attempt to do. And give our listeners an idea of what kind of heights you're talking about here. For me, we're kind of around 11.6, so 11 feet, 6 inches. So you can't even feel the pole, how high it is, by standing on the ground to see about how high you have to fly. Right. Um, working on getting higher in the 12s or eventually the 13 feet ranges, but that's kind of where we're at right now. How I understand pole vaulting is you start someplace and you run as fast as you can, holding on to a long stick. And then you put down the stick and you do something graceful and you go over another stick that's 11 or 12 feet in the air. And then you land in some padded stuff. How far do you have to run before you get to the point where you start going up? Um, it depends on what you're, you're doing. Um, everybody can run from different lengths. So we do it by like uh, lefts, like four lefts or five lefts or, or six lefts. You know what I mean? That's kind of how we measure those aspects of it. There's no specific, like, you're going to run this many like every time we might change something or something might be different and we'll move a little bit. 
So for you to determine your starting position, you start under the crossbar and walk your way backwards so you know you can pace off your location? No. Uh, so I'll have the pull in the box like I would be planting. I'll like imitate a plant almost. And then I'll take that and then turn my feet around and actually run back because walking steps and running steps are, are different lengths. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't walk because that would end up being too short of a distance versus my running stride, which is a little bit longer. And that's how it is for people. So this stick that you carry and you plant before you start going up and over, how big is that? Uh, it depends. There, it goes from like 10 feet is kind of shorter ones, but there are ones that are like, that like Olympians use that are like 18, 19. Oh, wow. It's wrong. Um, the one I'm using right now is 13, six. We're trying to get me on a 14 foot pole that we jump on. Brad, I'm guessing as his coach, you probably do somewhat what a golf caddy does for a blind person, help line him up, tell him how far he ought to be, maybe even call to him from the other side of the pole. I don't know. What, what is your role in having this all happen? Well, basically, we do a lot of it in practice and in, in stuff um, before we even get to the to a meet or to a, an event for him to jump. So we pretty much have all of his steps down. Uh, he's pretty comfortable with carrying a pole. But, yeah, we do make minor adjustments as the day goes on or the weather. Uh, how it is and how hot it is or how cold it is. Uh, basically, Bradley, once we get him set up, uh, he's he pretty much is on his own. And uh, well, we make sure his stride pattern is the same. And uh, so as he runs down the runway and gets ready to plant, he's counting how many lefts he's taking. And then when he gets to the second to last left, he knows that's when he's going to push the pole. So he's all on his own once you set him up then. There's no other feedback. No, that's just what we practice and what he knows at that point. And then after he jumps, we might make corrections as far as where the standards are, the farther where he's starting from. We might move him back, you know, six inches, or we might move his hand grip a little bit. Those type of things, we make adjustments. So based on the visual feedback, of the jump that you're looking at, you'll make some of these adjustments. Yes. And that's the other thing. You guys brought up something earlier that was very interesting to me. And it's been interesting to other coaches that where we've gone to compete against who've been doing the vault for a long time. We've coached a lot of visual kids throughout the years, of course. And um, what's amazed most of the coaches and myself about Brad, you were asking him how he knows his feet are always where the bar is. No matter where he put the bar, his feet are at least that high or higher. And so it's amazed us because we've had kids visually vault for us who are very good vaulters that sometimes take off. And when they take off, sometimes after they plant, they're under the bar <laughs> and uh, their feet's not anywhere near it. So a lot of coaches come up to me and ask me, how does he know where the bar is? You know, because he can't see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I've asked my grandson that and he says for him, it's a feel. And so what we do is try to get his belly to the pole. And once he does that, he knows he's getting vertical mm -hmm. and that gets his feet up. And so that's quite something if you've and you've been around it, 
a lot of coaches find amazing that uh, he's never, ever, as far as he's, it might change now since he got to college, but <laughs> in high school, his feet were always, even with the bar or above it. Did you make the college team, Bradley? Yeah, I did. I'm going to start doing that actually here in the next uh, week or so, uh, their practices. Well, now that's very exciting. The first we knew about you was we saw a local news article, and that was written before you had your final scores at the end of high school. And, and so we didn't know whether you were going to make the college team or not, but that's great. Yeah, thank you. So this will be the first time you're working with a different coach from your grandfather. Now the new coach has to learn a lot. Yeah, for sure. His new coach was a uh, three-time uh, national champ. So I think she's going to do real well with Brad. I know that there'll be some of, of my knowledge passed on from what we've learned, and I'm sure she's going to build on it. And uh, we're pretty excited about that. You sound like you're pretty confident also. My grandson's pretty modest young man, always has been. But uh, he won't tell you, but I will because I'm a proud grandfather. Uh, you know, he got a scholarship in music as well. Wow. Oh, good. In fact, he got double scholarship, one for piano, one for the sax. And then one of the nicest moments for us is when he got text from uh, Spring Arbor and offered him a scholarship for uh, pole vaulting. And that was something that was dear to his heart that uh, he probably wouldn't say it, but because of his dad's, his uncles, and all that's been pretty much a sports world-minded family, probably was one of the nicest moments uh, for us as a family. That is pretty special. Yeah, and but really for Bradley, you know, it's always been, no matter what he's done, it's been a leap of faith. And when we talk about a leap of faith relative to pole vaulting, it is literally a leap of faith. You learn a lot in the vault is that, uh, you know, failure does not always mean that you're done or that you're not going to be successful. It's just the first step in uh, you approaching your way to be successful. And with the vault, is one of the nice, because no matter where you finish at a meet or any competition, eventually your vault's going to end in failure because you're not going to clear a bar at a certain height. Even when you're the number one, the last person standing, you're going to end in failure because you're going to knock the bar off or not clear it. Well, we do learn from our failures. And I've always thought that if you don't fail occasionally, it means you probably haven't been trying hard enough or setting your goals high enough. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think that he's learned that if he puts the time in and puts the effort in, you might not always reach the goal that you want, but you will be successful in some form, in some way. So Bradley, it sounds like you've had very supportive family and relatives, and that certainly is very helpful. What was the reaction when you applied to college and said you wanted to be on their pole vaulting team? So it was actually a decision that was thought about by me, I mean, a lot, because I didn't know... Whether, I mean, it's a big time commitment, um, and I didn't know if that was the right uh, decision for me to make at the time. But when I did, they were they were very supportive, uh, very happy for me, just all, all good things. They must have been a bit surprised. Didn't anybody ask you? But you're blind. How do you do this? Or maybe they've seen your successes in the past. In the family, no. I mean, it was just. Like anybody, like going to college for 
sports or whatever, like academics or like whatever. They're just happy. Oh, I was thinking about the people at the college, their reaction. Yeah, I mean, they've been also really supportive. Um, but I mean, with anybody, like in in my situation, um, it's a little bit like, like, how's it going to work? It's not any negativity. It's just something new that will have to be worked through by me and together. I mean, I mean, it's the same thing as in like high school, like you were saying, like marching band or wrestling or being in like general uh, ed classes. I mean, it's just something new that a lot of, of people haven't seen or been a part of or understood enough to understand how we're going to do it. Not to say that it's not going to happen. It's just going to be a, a big um, learning experience for everybody, including me. Well, good. Well, I have one question, Brad. Has Grandpa ever tried pole vaulting with his eyes closed? When I found out that my grandson was blind, we thought back even then that there was a possibility that we could do this. And so, believe it or not, I had a group of kids that I was coaching at the time, and um, we blindfolded them to see if it was possible. And uh, I can tell you their timing, all their timing improved when I did that. So, <laughs> So, so they thought I was nuts. Everybody watching me thought I was nuts. But believe me, we did it in a controlled environment and a safe environment. And uh, his dad's done it with his eyes closed. And like I said, both his dad and uncle were very good vaulters. And um, they came back and always said, there's no way we would have done this. <laughs> and, and most vaulters that we know that are really good vaulters they make the same statement. Yes. It's interesting, as you say, that many of the kids improve their performance after jumping blindfolded. I'm thinking that with your eyes open, you rely on visual feedback and what's going around you, and you kind of ignore some other senses that could be useful in doing that type of sport. Definitely. It's it's all sports. I mean, you know, I coach basketball, and like I told you, if I put Brad on a basketball free throw line, he's probably going to hit eight out of 10, nine out of 10 once we get him lined up. And it's all technique. And it's the same thing with the ball. Now, if you're going to be safe, it's a technique repetition. And I did the same thing to my basketball players on the free throw line, and they thought I was nuts. And all of our free throw, we improved from six to usually they were both, all of them making between eight and nine out of 10 because they relied on the technique instead of visual. What kinds of reactions have you gotten from other people? We run a clinic sometimes and kids from all over comes and jumps with us and uh, for the ball to the high jump. And it's amazing. Sometimes coaches are coming and Brad will take the time a lot of times to help the beginners to, to start learn, that are learning the ball. And uh, kids are always, our kids that know him, you know, will always make jokes about his being blind and Bradley has a great sense of humor and, uh, one day a coach looked at me and said, man, aren't you going to get on your kids for making a hardship for that young man? I said, why? It was said that they're calling that he can't coach like he's so blind. I said, he is blind. <laughs> the coach nearly died. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, we've been here all day. I would have never known that he was blind, you know, at that point. And uh, so things like that happened throughout our period of time. And of course, when you're with somebody and you probably know this as well, um, you just automatically forget that they're blind because they function 
like everybody else, you know, at that has sight. And um, like I said, Brad has a great sense of humor. He uh, was jumping one day and he came down to put again, a new, a new situation. And he said, Oh, I'm blind. I'm blind. And everybody said, Oh no. I said, he is blind. It's okay. It wasn't a result of the jumping. Yeah. He likes to joke with people in that, in that manner. So He's got, like I said, he's, he, he, he has hard days and good days like everybody in life. Um, but he's approached it that this is something that uh, is not going to stop me. Well, that's great. And we wish you a lot of success in college, Bradley. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, success, success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about pole vaulting and how to contact Bradley and Brad Rainwater. Bradley, if people had questions for you, wanted to find out more about your experiences and how it's all done, is there some way they could contact you? Yeah, for sure. So my email address is rainwater, just like it sounds, uh, Bradley, uh, B-R-A-D-L-Y, the number two, at gmail.com. Yeah, so that'd be a great way. I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody who had questions or just wanted to talk or whatever. Great. And you, Brad? Yeah, they can reach me at crainwater33 at yahoo.com. Is there some sort of umbrella organization for pole vaulters that people could learn more about the sport in general? Normally, what happens is that in an area or in our place in Michigan, uh, there are a group of coaches that are known to be pretty good pole vaulting coaches. And so on that aspect, most of us end up having kids from all over different schools and different places come and jump with us. Um, That's pretty much how the network works when there's vaults involved. Uh, Not every school has a vaulting coach and not everybody who coaches vault knows the subject as well. Here in Michigan, we're blessed to have pretty much a handful of good coaches. And so kids gravitate to those places. So I would tell most kids if they're in a state, they can go on usually and look up pole vaulting camp or pole vaulting clinics. And that'd be one of the first places to start if they don't have a coach at their high school that that teaches it. Well, it was really nice talking with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking your time and thank you for, uh, you know, making uh, Brad's journey more, you know, meaningful and more successful. And hopefully, you know, we can because we both really would like to help other kids do things and encourage them that might think that they couldn't to do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we do this show. When, you know, we share stories like this around the world, people get the idea that, well, you know, just because you can't see so well doesn't mean you can't do lots of other interesting and fun things. So we appreciate you taking the time to share your story with with everybody else and providing motivation for other people. Great. Well, we thank you for what you do. It's It means a lot. We're very honored to be a part of it. Thank you. And of course, if you're looking for any of that contact information, you can always find that in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2141. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about birdability. 
Birdability is an organization whose mission is to make birding accessible to all. We'll talk with Freya McGregor, Birdability Coordinator and Occupational Therapist, and Michael Herbin, an avid birder with vision loss, about the organization and how anybody can enjoy birding and the wonderful outdoors, even if they can't leave their own home. And we look forward to everybody joining us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.